0: She's the founder of the Empath Institute, the leading online training program giving empaths the help, coaching, and resources they need to go from exhausted to empowered. She's also the author of the award-winning book, The Flow Method, 40 Days to Total Life Transformation, a program that transforms the mind, body, life, and spirit with one personalized process. She's an internationally respected mind-body coach and speaker who uses her own empath nature as a gift throughout her work, helping others to heal. And she's in the process of creating a Flow Method coaching certification for coaches, therapists, and social workers. You have got a lot going on, Tara, and I'm so happy that you took the time to join us today.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here.
0: Well, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit more about you and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not working.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So I have been uh, very happily married for about 18 years. Um, I was lucky enough to to know on my first date with uh, with my husband that that was it. He was my soulmate and we were, we were destined to, to go forward together. So that was awesome. And then we recently... Um, uh, actually our little girl just turned one. We just adopted, um, when she was a day old, our daughter. So that is keeping me extremely busy at this point. Needless to say, um, I I think I wasn't fully aware necessarily how busy you are with a baby, but, um, she's just (laughs) a cute little pumpkin. So, (laughs) (laughs)
0: well, I would love to start the conversation off with a little bit about, your journey as a coach. Can you tell us how long you've been coaching and what really led you to get into it in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think I think for all of us as coaches, we end up getting called to be a coach. I really think coaching is one of those professions you're, you're you have like a deep calling that suddenly pops up and there you are. Um, in my case, I think in many ways I was coaching my entire life. I mean, I look back and, and I was just always sort of that person that everybody would come to, to help them sort things out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I actually ended up being a coach. I was a dance teacher and I was a a cheerleading coach. Um, From the time I was 16, I started actually coaching and being on the cheerleading squad. So (laughs) we were, I was, I just started coaching that way. And then Mm -hmm. I think, again, like so many of us, um, of the coaches I've spoken with, I think most of us end up coming into the profession out of, um, some sort of personal crisis. And, um, such was the case for me. Uh, it was a probably about, oh gosh, geez, probably 16 years ago, 17 years ago, something like that. Um, I ended up ca- coming down with chronic fatigue syndrome and it was a complete shock because I'm a really super high energy person. And, uh, I had a doctor basically tell me, okay, well, like this is what you have and you're going to be dealing with it for the rest of your life and I'm not great with authority. So I, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I said, okay, well, that's going to be a bunch of bull, and I'm going to figure this out. And that's when I kind (laughs) of started my, my path of, um, awakening in me, what I think was probably always there, which was sort of that mind body connection and realizing Mm -hmm. that I had this deep sense of where that connection and, and what, you know, in my case, certainly life circumstances were sort of breaking me down. And, So I started, that's when I started to really study and put together what became essentially the flow method and became the way, you know, sort of my methodology and coaching. So I guess professionally, I started coaching about 11 years ago, I'd say. And Mm -hmm. I love it. I love helping people, essentially. I think we all do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you started out as more of a coach for for people who also had the same issues that you did?
1: actually interestingly so once i sort of made made the discovery that kind of became the core of of my particular style of coaching um it really allowed me to help people that were dealing with really anything across the board in terms of um, any kind of, of healing issues. In fact, my first sort of amateur coach coaching situation, uh, ended up being my grandma who had mm-hmm. uh, been diagnosed with breast cancer and it was stage four breast cancer. And she also had three lumps in her lungs that they were like, the breast cancer was so bad. They weren't even going to deal with the, the lungs, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, So she at like 84 years old was willing to listen to her granddaughter for God knows what reason. And, (laughs) and let me kind of say, you know, grandma, I think, I think if we can talk some of this out and start getting to some of these underlying issues that might be, you know, sort of foundationally manifesting in this way, maybe we can, maybe we can shift things here. And it actually Mm -hmm. ended up that the lung cancer, um, the tumors when they were, well, lung tumors, they didn't know it was cancer at that point. When they went in to look for them again, they were gone. So, Hmm. um, and that was without any, any, basically any additional treatment. So I started doing that with her when that happened, which like, honestly, if I never done anything else in the rest of my life, that would probably be enough, Yeah, (laughs) you know, because I, it was like, if you feel like you've helped somebody you love that much, like that's kind of really, what do you, what else are you going to do in your life? That's any better. Um, but (laughs) so at that point I thought, okay it's working for me and it's worked, it worked for her and maybe it will work for other people. And so that's when I started to kind of really help friends and family with all kinds of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. It ended up being, I mean, I kind of specialize, I I shouldn't say that I do get a lot of, for whatever reason I get things like in threes a lot of times, but I do get a lot of people I deal with uh, in the, that are dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also sort of have moved into a lot of people, you know, dealing with pain and those kinds of things. So it's, it's, it tends to be really, uh, fascinating, because you do uh, see a full spectrum of people. So hmm.
0: Right. So talk a little bit about um, what is an empath? And how, you know, how do you work with with folks that are? And, and talk a little bit about that, because I'm not that familiar with that term.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because I, I, again, I, having worked with a lot of people in the coaching world, I'd say a good deal of us are in fact empaths, even if we don't know it. And most of us don't know it for a long time. We just think something's like wrong with us (laughs) Um, (laughs) because we feel too much. And essentially that's, that's really the definition of an empath is that you actually can uh, sense feelings in other people. So it can be their pain. It can be, um, their, their emotions, certainly. And you can feel them without sort of physical clues as to what's going on. So you might walk into a room for instance, and feel that there's tension or anger or intensity going on without people actually screaming at each other. Everything may be looking completely kosher and you're walking in going, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right. I think a lot of us, so a lot of times when I talk to people about it, the experience that that's really common early on for an empath is that when they're around a certain person, they'll get a headache, they'll get a stomach ache. Or if somebody around them that they care about has a headache or a stomach ache, suddenly they're sort of manifesting that, that same, um, uh, experience. And it's as soon as they get away from that situation, then suddenly they feel fine. So it's clearly not their own headache, stomachache or whatever is going on. It's this other person's and they're just tuning literally as empaths. Um, we end up just being tuning forks. And so mm-hmm. when someone around us is sort of essentially vibrating at a certain level, just like a tuning fork, we're actually starting to vibrate at that level because we're just really highly sensitive. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a few really fascinating studies that have been done by psychologists. And finally, I think they're starting to recognize that this is, uh, this is a real thing that show that empaths brains are actually wired, uh, completely differently than, than so-called whatever normal brains. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there's literally totally different neural pathways and that our nerves are actually far more sensitive so they they essentially the theory is that that literally on a, on a physiological level, and I would agree with this, you are just picking up clues from the environment that are um, that other people aren't picking up, that you're just that finely tuned of a receptor.
0: Hmm. Right. So is it sort of like if if you go or if you meet up with somebody or or maybe there's just someone in your life that, you know, that you just don't quite vibe with, but you don't exactly know why? I mean, is that kind of what you're talking about if, oh, for sure. if you're okay,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. um one thing that like I can think back on is is that like it's really hard to put up a facade with an empath or an empathic uh-huh. really empathic person. and so I can actually remember back when i was I was actually working with my dad, we did benefits for for hospital systems, and this guy everybody had said was just this really you know kind of not good person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, We were waiting to have a meeting with this guy and he was, he was every bit of it, but um, (laughs) he, he came in and I actually had my back. I didn't even know it was him. I didn't know who was walking in actually to the meeting. And I had my back to him and like all the hair stood up on the back of my neck. My, the whole back of me was just felt like, you know, that little (laughs) Mm vibrating electric static stuff. And I I immediately thought to myself, oh, that's gotta be him. And I turned around and there he was. And that was sort of before (laughs) Wow. I really realized what was going on. Um, Another really common thing, and this is why I I do work with empaths. um, Another really common thing is because we're picking up all that stuff all the time, uh, things like super sad movies. So I would go to, to, you know, a sad movie with friends and my friends would be like, oh, that's sad. And then we'd go off for ice cream. They're fine. I would be like literally destroyed inside. Like (laughs) I'd be having like nightmares about it overnight. Uh Uh-huh. That's the difference. It's like uh, when you're not an empath, but you're a feeling person, just a not an empath, you can see something sad and you can go, that's terrible and that's sad and it's okay. An empath is literally empathizing at the very core of their being and it becomes their, the pain outside them becomes their own pain. And when you don't know how to deal with that, it can absolutely break you down. And frankly, in my case, it, it turned into chronic fatigue syndrome because I was not handling it. I was not aware.
0: Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, you know, I don't necessarily think that I'm an empath per se, but I definitely think that I'm a very highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just if there's a movie that has anything that something bad happens to an animal, I absolutely will not watch it. It's like, because <laughs> I can't, I, I can't get stuff like that out of my mind. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. And and just being around certain people, you know, certain people feel really good to be around. And then other people, you just kind of would rather not be around them. <laughs> and, yep. you know, so yeah, yeah, a lot of that makes a whole lot of sense. I think it probably does to a lot of people. Like you said, I think a lot of people are probably have, they're more sensitive than they really realize. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I would say, I would say, you know, we all have, we all, unless we have some really seriously wrong with us, we we all have empathy.
0: So mm-hmm. I would say yeah. many,
1: you know, yeah. you know, most of us are on somewhere on the empathic scale. It's just in degrees. So like, mm-hmm. just like you're describing, maybe you wouldn't think you were an empath, like all the time, but probably in the case of like animals and things like that, perhaps that is where that really, you really resonate You know, in that, in that place. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say it's probably mostly an empathic, you know, empath spectrum. And then, you know, sort of on the far end are the people that I think I tend to really work with, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) are the people that were like me and kind of going, what is this? This sucks. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been in business then, or you've been coaching
0: for over a decade. So through all of that building up your business, there have to be some ups and downs. (laughs) 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 And one thing that, you know, a lot of people can get a whole lot of inspiration from is hearing about, you know, a story of like a low point that someone was able to turn around and and really come back from and and prove that success actually is possible. So can we Mm -hmm. talk about a time in your business where, you know, maybe you just had a really big disappointment or a low point?
1: Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah, th- honestly like anybody definitely I've had lots. Um I- I'm going to I'm going to just give you the bottom of the barrel. Like I'm going to give you the moment <laughs> that I was like that's it, I'm done. I'm sitting on the stairs sobbing. So <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just inspire you from, from climbing right out of the bottom. So, so, so basically in this case, I, okay. So I had been doing a uh, four day transformation retreats with this great sort of regional um, uh, resort. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a national chain, but a regional resort type thing. Well, we also in the little Island where I used to live also had a major, very beautiful luxury chain. And they they came to me and wooed me away. Um, their spa director came to me and wooed me away from this other resort, which they weren't fully doing things that I was particularly thrilled with. So I thought, okay, great. So this this the major chain. They um, would me way by saying that they were going to do all of this like national marketing for me. That they were going to do this as the linchpin for because they have this freaking incredible spa, and they really wanted people to understand like and start bringing people in like mm-hmm. this these kinds of groups. Um, and and um, right when so I ended up signing a contract for I think it was three retreats, three upcoming retreats, with the understanding that they were going to do basically they were literally going to put me with their new york pr firm and all of this stuff so the next thing i knew it was when we started to have like the downward slide i don't know 2008 ish mm-hmm. maybe and um you know the economic thing well a lot of the luxury places obviously started to having to cut back and um etc etc well the girl that i had been working with uh ended up leaving and going to another property because they were sort of cutting back staff there. So suddenly I realized <laughs> that in my contract, all of the things they promised me were not necessarily in the contract, which I did not even think to put in the contract because everything was sort of discussed right. in such a way that I never even, I never even considered that this wouldn't be happening. And um the, the girl that was the PR for the, like this local part of the hotel or whatever. Um, she suddenly was just like, well, you know, I mean, and she literally bottom line did absolutely zero, zero, oh, zero no. marketing for me. Um, but the problem was, so I kept going back to them and saying, guys, I'm not going to be like, I I'm new enough because I think I'd only been in business like a year and a half, two years. And I finally was at that point where I had money in my bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, I was actually, starting to get things going in the right direction. And I was like, you know, I, I need, I, but I, I'm, I'm doing well, but I don't have a huge enough market right now to necessarily pull people, especially with this whole economic thing. You know, I need you to do these things you said you were going to do. Well, they ended up doing none of it. But the problem was, is the contract I signed um, said that I was going to fill 10 rooms <laughs> for four days at this luxury resort and have, you know, like two meals a day. And I mean, it was extensive. So suddenly I was on the hook to fill these things and they weren't holding up their end of the bargain whatsoever. But Mm. I had to somehow pull this off. So it was a moment where literally I was looking at my bank account and I you know i finally got them to agree that the two other remaining ones on my contract i was like i'm sorry, you're not doing anything that you said you were going to do i cannot be responsible for those so they ended up letting me out of that but i still had to pull off this first retreat and not only did i not make money but i ended up spending like i think oh half my of my bank account just to pull this retreat off Thus, the reason that I was sitting on the stairs, sobbing my eyes out and saying, I can't do this and I give up. <laughs> so, Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. after a big... I mean, that is a disappointment. I have to say that definitely falls under the <laughs> big fat disappointment heading. Yeah. Uh, how do you pick yourself up <laughs> after something like that and, and get going again?
1: Yeah. Uh, so... It, here's the upside. So the retreat ended up being probably one of the best retreats I've ever run in my life. So the women there were freaking incredible. The, the, the energy of it was incredible. Um, they were, the, the retreat itself was absolutely beautiful and it was exactly how I would want a retreat run. So on the upside, I ended up sort of, and that's probably one of the things I tend to do, but I focused on the positive that I now had these like 10 women that were, you know, absolute promoters and followers of my business and, and that they were that I had really changed 10 lives in those four days. So, um, I needed, I focused on the positive that I had done something really good. And then I sat down and said, okay, what did I just learn from this though? (laughs) And you've got to learn a lesson. Every time you have a disappointment like that, you've got to, you've got to look, at least this is what I do. It gets myself back on track. I look at the good, I look at the lesson and I figure out how to implement that into my business in a way that I don't Mm -hmm. have that happen again. And so that's essentially what I did. So I can tell you that contracts, anything that is agreed upon now is in the contract. (laughs) So and I would make that very I make that uh, a suggestion for anyone happens to be listening to this, you know, put it in the contract. So have you always
0: done like workshops? Has that been the what your focus has been in coaching or like group programs, that sort of thing?
1: It did. Yeah. It it did start off that way because I personally love retreats and I Mm -hmm. love workshops because you can get, you can, um, just have such profound change in such a short period of time in those, those sort of intensive environments. But truthfully, um, after that experience, it did shift the way that I do my business. And, uh, at that point I shifted more to online, um, uh, programs, webinars, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things that weren't, Quite the financial investment, um, but that <laughs> that you could work with people right. from around the world and they weren't necessarily paying a ton to travel to you. Uh, you could do these live interactive things and, you know, technology being great at, the, at that point, thankfully, it really shifted the way that I do things. That said, I do still love to work with people one-on-one in person or in groups in person. Uh, but I find that you can get a really good dynamic going in, in the web world as well. So talk a
0: little bit about making that shift from doing the retreats and and more in-person stuff to taking your business online was that was that a difficult shift for you?
1: Well, it it was and it wasn't. I guess in I guess I'd say mostly it wasn't and I, it, there were a lot of learning curves. And so mm-hmm. for any coaches out there that are listening to this and saying, okay, maybe I need to start doing webinars and maybe I need that's fantastic. And I totally think you should, but you've got to be prepared for the learning curve and don't get frustrated and give up when something technology wise, just, sucks. And you you just, you just can't get it. And it's just not working. So, um, you know, uh, actually, as you and I were kind of talking about before we started the podcast, it's it's technology is awesome when it works. And you end up having to go through like a lot of different technologies to figure out what's the right one for you. Mm -hmm. I can, I can remember my first website that I had done by a graphic designer, you know, right as I'm starting out. And I look back now, oh my gosh, the hours I spent, like I actually learned to code because my developer went like AWOL. So, (laughs) um, I, that was another one that I had, that was another moment where I was like, am I, am I doing this or not doing this? Um, so it was just, you know, back, back in the day. And I, so I had to figure that out. So I guess my, recommendation for anybody listening, thinking about kind of being a little more technology savvy and doing those kinds of things is just give yourself extra time for anything that you're doing and be prepared for some of the learning curve is frustrating and it's okay. And sometimes just walk away and go get a coffee or something (laughs) and then come back and try to figure it out. But yeah, so I guess that's where the difficult part was. The Mm -hmm. positive part was being able to really connect with people all around the world and work with people all around the world. And that's pretty awesome because I mean, how many times, how else are you going to work with somebody in like Australia and you know, I'm sitting in, in Colorado right now. How does that work? (laughs) You know, yeah. So, So going from starting
0: out doing retreats and then Mm -hmm. eventually taking your business online, what are you excited about creating next? Where's your business going in, in the future?
1: My, Biggest thing I'm super excited about actually is I'm finally, after a lot of people have been bugging me for it, I am finally creating a coaching certification for uh, coaches and therapists and social workers. Um, one thing that absolutely surprised me, and I think for any coaches listening, there's, you'll, you'll end up finding that you have weird little niches that sometimes pop up and I would, I would, tell you to explore that niche. So if you have a lot Mm -hmm. of people that are coming to you from a certain area, even if you didn't think that that sort of uh, area was going to be a focus for you in terms of clients, customers or followers, pay attention because there's something in your message then that is speaking to that group. Um, in my case, it ended up being therapists and social workers mm-hmm. because for them, a lot of them are needless to say, working with people who have depression and also have physical ailments that they're saying, you know, there's got to be a connection there, but they didn't know quite how to hone in on it in any kind of sort of logical way. Uh, step-by-step methodology. So Mm -hmm. what shocked me is how many therapists and coaches or therapist, coaches and social workers were coming to me and going, Oh my gosh, I can use this in my practice. And can you, can you start a certification so that I can do this in a more official way? And, you know, honestly, I kind of piddled around with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was one of those things that you know how you have like 20 zillion things you're trying to do and it was like that's right. a great idea but i'm not getting there so finally i've been working with some um some therapists and uh, a professor to help me to kind of really standardize this into a, a real coaching certification because i guess my focus would be to make sure it's um really 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 high standard that it's not like Mm -hmm. the one weekend and then you're like hey go fix people's lives it's like (laughs) that you're sort of really making sure that people are getting uh, high level training so that was part of me dragging my my feet I think too is perhaps the perfectionistic streak that I have to fight (laughs) so yeah
0: so what's the difference between an online course and Mm -hmm. a a certification?
1: Well, for me, an online course is I'm learning a lot about the subject matter and maybe I'm applying it to myself. Um, Mm -hmm. A certification is really where you are learning intensely to, instead of being the person that's sort of just uh, taking in the information and applying it personally, you are now the person who is able to give that information and also coach from a very uh, standardized methodological way. So for me, it's a shift between this information is great for me personally to I'm qualified to actually guide other people and lead other people and be able to pinpoint what's going on with other people. Hmm. Um, so that, that's, I guess for me, that's the difference. Now that said, I think there's excellent, um, probably excellent courses out there that at the end of them, you do feel like you can perhaps be, you know, pass that information along. Um, in my case, I guess, because I do, we, this particular kind of coaching, you are dealing with a lot of medical issues.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: I want it to be very, you know, pretty heavy training (laughs) right? because, you know, you want, when you're dealing with that kind of stuff, um, you need to be really, uh, authoritative, but also very focused on how you're responding to people and how you're guiding them. So
0: looking back at some of the things that we've talked about, it, it, to me, it looks like you've sort of kept a familiar thread through everything. Like mm-hmm. you started off with your own issues that you learned about and you, you got into coaching as a mind body coach. You started helping other people with some of their issues. You wrote the book, which was also on this topic. Now you're creating a certification also mm-hmm. on this sort of topic is this sort of a strategic thing or is it, it has it just sort of happened that this is just what you've immersed yourself in?
1: <laughs> I wish I could tell you I had an awesome game plan. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean I do I'm a super plan I'm like a planner person for sure, but let me tell you, like plans do not they <laughs> plans are sort of nice and then things happen and you go, Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think that's probably something. You've got to be flexible. So yeah, I, I think I had never considered doing the. Well, I can't say that. But i would never seriously considered doing the coaching certification. I, right. I completely honestly, when I wrote the book, I completely honestly thought I had done such a great job that no one would ever need me because they like, they could, they could go right. through the book and it has two tests and it, it you go you go straight into like it'll take you exactly where you need to go in the book. So, like I just figured this is like having a coach in a book and no one will ever need me. Who's really going to need me for this or want want to even be a coach in this? <laughs> I, it didn't even I don't know, I whatever, naive, I guess. I'm not sure. But <laughs> <laughs> um so at that point so once that started to pop up a lot more and like a lot of times, and I'm sure that you've seen this too, so when you coach somebody and something they, they really shift, they make that profound shift you're wanting them, you know, you're hoping they make, obviously, in their mm-hmm. in their life. Um, a lot of times they end up saying, Well gosh, I'd love to be a coach you know and so that's where it started to occur to me like oh okay i guess what i do is different and i guess that people i guess this is something that that people would want to do so yeah i wish i could say that i had some great master game plan and and, and like <laughs> in my own delusional moments i think i do but i <laughs> i think a lot of, I, I do plan but i think a lot of these things just pop up so yeah
0: No, I mean, I think it's cool to hear the different perspectives, because I talked to somebody, you know, a week or so ago. And as we were talking, there's some of the things that she said, I I was thinking to myself, well, that sounds really strategic. And then I was like, you know, it sounds like that you're pretty strategic. And she was like, oh, I had my end result already figured out. I just worked Mm -hmm. backwards and then started filling in the gaps. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish my brain worked like that. (laughs) No, I don't do that at all. But... (laughs) So, I just, yeah, I just love hearing different people's process and how, how all of this comes about is just so interesting to me.
1: <laughs> it is, you know, it is interesting. And that's the, I think that's the great thing about about what you're doing with your, your podcast is I think there's so many, and we're all going about things. You've got to find the way that it works for you. I mean, as I say, I do have a total game plan and I definitely have a vision, but yeah. the ways that things pop up, right. I, I, I could not possibly have planned, truthfully. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's, that's cool to me It's just so, that sort of <laughs>
0: like that idea of you can have a plan, but you can also go with the flow and yeah. just being able to balance those two and not be so structured and so strict with yourself. And, but for some people, I think that probably works perfectly. So yeah,
1: absolutely. It absolutely <laughs> does. And that's great. you got to find what works for you and exactly. just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I'd like to shift the conversation just a little bit to what's working right now in business. Huh. So we've talked a lot about, you know, some of the things that you're, you're up to and some of the things that you're doing. And I would like to know, how are you generating revenue in your business today? What sort of ways are you, are you working with people? Are you still doing, um, groups or you have, are you adding any one-on-ones? What's, what's the revenue breakdown?
1: yeah um well that's the interesting thing because i did sh- I shift my my business primarily to to online although after a recent move i'm probably going to be doing a lot more um out you know in the world <laughs> group events but mm-hmm. um just because this where i'm moving to colorado it's just a lot there's a lot more uh mind body type people out here whereas where mm. i moved from there were not at all so it just because of that. And I I guess that's probably one thing I should mention. I think a lot of your business plan should be formulated by what, what are the things you can access in not only your your local network, but like, what is the realistic place for you to be able to do business for me going out and doing a lot of in-person group events where I was, that thought process wasn't necessarily there and I had tried it originally and it just was not, I was hitting a lot of, of walls. So it caused me to switch to this sort of online model. So right now what I'm doing is um, I have my empath institute, which is basically online training for empaths. Um, and so that's one of the, the revenue things. I do highly, highly, highly recommend that coaches look into um, setting up some sort of online program like that, it's mm-hmm. a great way to connect with people. It's a great way to reach a lot of people when you – because maybe not everybody wants that hour or a few hours of coaching individually with you, but they could really use your perspective. They could really right. use your knowledge. And this is a great way to be able to kind of um, – I don't know, balance the time value of money in a lot of ways, too. You can reach a lot more people a lot quicker than you can necessarily at, you know, the hour coaching type approach. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I do do a few hours of individual coaching as well a week. Um, I love that. I love being able to work with people individually. Every single person is so fascinating and and unique. And they're coming with these like totally individual issues. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. just cool. You know, that's, that's a great way to do it. And then, of course, I have my book. And so, um uh, the book as well is a revenue generator, although, and I do recommend coaches to write books, but just know that it's takes a lot to market a book. So, <laughs> um, you don't, there's a lot I could, I could do in the whole, and I have actually done whole podcasts on on the writing business (laughs) and what to do and what not to do and and just being really realistic about what a book can do for you. But I do recommend that you write one. It's a great, it's a really great sort of business card calling card for, for other things you might want to do. Um, Also, the final sort of aspect is that I've really increased uh, my speaking engagements. So I do, mm. I do recommend coaches uh, going after speaking engagements, even if they're free at first, um, even right. if their majority are free. Who cares? You're you're out there. You're talking. You're gaining confidence in your message, and you're gaining new followers and new clients. So. So what would you say is your favorite strategy these
0: days for introducing new people to who you are and what you do and how you can help them?
1: Well... I like any strategy. Like I'm a total shoestring entrepreneur, so I like uh-huh. I like any strategy that's effective without costing too much. So I spent a yeah. crazy amount of time trying out a whole bunch of stuff and I eventually figured out, okay, so one thing, and I, I hope this is maybe an original idea for for your listeners, but one thing I found that's really effective and quite cost effective is going after and locking down keyword-rich domains. So what do I mean by that? So let's say you are a relationship coach and you focus on relationships. That's your thing. Um, so you're going to want to lock down something that someone might be Googling to find you. Mm -hmm. So, um, perhaps in the case of a relationship coach, it'd be like, um, I don't know. Well, relationshipscoach.com would be almost too easy and I'm sure it's taken, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you might like, let's say that you are a relationship coach in a particular area, be it, you know, let's say Ohio. So you might want to lock down relationship coaching in Ohio.com or relationship coaching, Ohio.com or your (laughs) city.com. Um, yeah, so Really think through, like, what are people going to be looking for to find you? And then dot com that. And a great way to do that, you can look at Google, you can go in and look at Google Analytics and check, you know, the different searches that people are looking for. And if you can mm-hmm. find a search of, um, you know, whatever, a combination of things. So basically just keep trying out things, uh, literally think to yourself why how would somebody find me oh and i also recommend always 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 get your name.com oh yeah <laughs> you know i'm sure hopefully everybody everybody knows that but i'm i would do it i mean literally like 9 bucks a, a year i mean that's like a, a low investment once i changed once i started doing that and and sort of changed that model and locked down a bunch of things that people would be searching to find me in my particular, my particular niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the traffic to my site, I don't, th- I wouldn't be exaggerating to say it went up tenfold. So wow. um, I would recommend, you know, I think hopefully at this point, Coaches know they've got to have a web presence, you know, social mm-hmm. media, and I would absolutely recommend, you know, your own site, no matter what. Um, but, you know, this is, that's a piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of people aren't using. I just helped hmm. a friend of mine actually is about to be an Ayurvedic practitioner. And I was gobsmacked, honestly, at the, <laughs> at the domains we could find for her that were just ridiculous, like so good. Oh. So they're still out there and I would recommend that.
0: Oh, very cool. I mean, I've actually have never heard of anyone doing that before. Yeah, of course, grabbing some domains, but more in the realm of whatever your domain is, and then get the .com and the .org and the .net Mm -hmm. and, you know, and maybe get something that's really similar so no one else grabs it and Mm-hmm. So, so more like protecting your brand, but not necessarily from a keyword, um, point of view. So, so what do you do with those? Do you put content on them or you just do a, a, a redirect to your website?
1: It, yeah, it kind of depends. Um, but a redirect is very effective. So mm-hmm. I, there have been some that I've used as, um, domains with a little bit of like a little content, a little test, a little something on there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a redirect is quite effective. And then in addition to the, to the domain name and to the redirect, make sure that you have some articles and pages that have the same exact keyword. So like um, in my case, like if it was empath training, for instance, which is one of the ones that I have, it would be Tara Meyer Robson front slash um, empath training. And that's a page I would have on my site. So that right. when Google's looking at stuff, what they're looking for is, okay, well, there's this domain and that matches this page. And now you've got a double keyword. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that seems to weigh heavily in my experience, um, on being able to start showing up in the top results and then making sure that that same set of keywords is throughout that page somewhere, or make sure you have articles that are, you know, uh, that have keywords like that in the, in the uh, title, uh, articles, bot plot, or I should say blogs, um, that have those keywords in the title. Cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's like a totally brand new tip
0: that I have never heard before. So well, you, <laughs> you have delivered.
1: <laughs> I was that's, trying to think, I'm like, all right, what can I give them that's unique? I mean, yeah, so. absolutely.
0: No, that's, that's super unique. I've never, I've never even thought about that. And I've been you know, dabbling in, you know, in online stuff for probably six years. And I started out with, you know, little review sites. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the little SEO link building stuff and all of that. And I've never heard of that. So <laughs> <Hey, laughs> that's really yay. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really it. cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, knowing what you know now about building up a successful business, what would you say should be the first thing that somebody should do, or maybe even if you had it to do over again, is there anything that you wish you had done first?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, (laughs) that's a great question. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. So if I had it to do over again, the first thing I would do is build up my social, social media following Mm -hmm. before doing anything else. Um, so a lot of people feel like, well, I don't have that much to say. I don't have any products. I don't have blah, blah, blah. I don't even know exactly what I'm doing yet. Um, that's all fine. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, think about the people that are on Instagram that are like Instagram famous or whatever. And right. they're just like shots of themselves and sunglasses. And <laughs> yeah. so like you're, 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 you're coaching because you care. You're coaching because you want to help people like that's pretty significant. So that in of itself is enough to put yourself, go ahead and put yourself out there. Um. So build that social, that, that social network because no matter what you do from that point on, you now can show that you have marketability. So let's say you do want to write a book and you do want to approach a publisher with it. The publisher at this point, they, you could literally write like, I don't know, gibberish, 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 like a hundred zillion times in a book. And if for some reason you had a market for that, they're going to publish it. So <laughs> right, um, it's really that simple. So I would say That's an important thing to pay attention to is build that social network first. I didn't. I did it completely the wrong way and went way uphill. So I wrote the book. I got, you know, yada, yada, and I managed to get it published and all that stuff, which was great. And then suddenly I was going, okay, well... Now I've got to get out there because it doesn't matter what publisher you're with; they're still going to expect you to be able to market. Right. And so um, it's a lot easier if you've already sort of built the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing is true for any business that you're launching: get the excitement level going first uh, around the social media, around that engagement. Get yourself maybe on things like podcasts, and um, you know, see if you can submit articles and those kinds of things that are going to start to generate eyes on what you're doing, and then. Get yourself going. Mm,
0: Nice. Yeah, I love that. That's a, that's a really good idea. And I think a lot of people do exactly what you said, which is think, I don't really have anything to offer, but. Mm -hmm. Just like what you said, when you look at the 20 somethings that can put a picture of their sandwich (laughs) up there and get, you know, 30,000 followers, you have something to say of value. So
1: (laughs) we need more people putting valuable stuff out there instead of like, hey, exactly, (laughs) and that's fine. That's great. You know, like, whatever. That's great for that person. But (laughs) if you can get 500 likes for your breakfast,
0: that's awesome. Go for it.
1: I'm impressed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's super advice. So Tara, this has been so good. I've had so much fun during this interview and learned a lot, a lot of new things. So that's always awesome. And I'd love to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions.
1: Okay. All
0: right. What is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable?
1: I would honestly say being grateful and Mm. remembering that, um, people that I've helped people. So I would give this tip. Uh, I keep a gratitude jar out and I print off every time somebody sends me a nice note saying, Hey, you totally rock and you totally changed my life or whatever it is. Or like, you know, I can't believe I feel better, whatever it is. I print it off, even if it's like email or whatever, I print it off and I pop it into the jar. So mm. on the days that suck and they come, you, <laughs> you feel like you're just not doing anything good for the world. And you're just a failure in the most abject of terms you then reach into the gratitude jar you pick out something and you read and honestly that for me reminds me of that why like why am I doing this um Mm, and it snaps me out of it so I would highly recommend that to people
0: oh nice yeah that's a really good one now what is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop
1: perseverance, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Um, you can't take a lot of st- you can't take the failures personally, you can't take the s- successes personally, really, um, you can, <laughs> you know, you've got to there's going to be bad days, and you've got to be able to brush yourself off and say, you know what, I can, st- I can do this, I can find a way forward. And sometimes, quite honestly, that means taking a weekend away from your work completely. And, you know, giving yourself a new viewpoint, but you come back, you come back because you persevere cool recommend
0: one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life
1: I would go with I I gave this one a lot of thought because you gave me that question ahead of time so I gave this a lot of thought Um, I would go with The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And the reason I'm giving that one is um, because for us as coaches, as we've talked about, most of us come into this because we want to help people. Um, But if you don't have a good, solid sense of really cool ways to be able to kind of sell yourself yourself to Mm -hmm. your clients, your potential clients, then this just becomes a really expensive and irritating hobby. So you've got to know how to run a business. (laughs) Um, and Chet Holmes is really uh, all about his entire thing is about essentially, you know, how to come up with some really cool ways to get yourself out there and run it. As a business, it really changed a lot of things for me, actually, sort of right after I had the the situation with the uh, retreats going Mm -hmm. in a bad direction and kind of gave me a new perspective.
0: Oh, good. I love that one. Um, Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use and that you couldn't do business without.
1: You know, personally, I actually would go with radioguestlist.com, which is actually how I, how I found you and, and, um, became a guest on your show. Uh, for again, I, I guess I would really emphasize to coaches, you know, the world needs your perspective. So even if you think you don't have anything to say, there's lots of wonderful, Podcasters out there, they're looking for people that have your, your particular point of view. And so what Radioguestlist.com does is it allows you to kind of look at what podcasters are kind of looking for different things. And then you can send in your information and, and sometimes you get interviews and sometimes you don't. But. It's such great experience. It's also great experience if you um, if you want to go out and do a lot more speaking engagements because you right. can feel a lot more confident in in what you're having to say, and it's also great because you're reaching you're reaching a new audience, and then if you're smart and kind, you're also promoting the podcaster to your audience. So it's a fantastic synergy of meeting wonderful new people. Like I've met so many amazing people simply by being on people's podcasts and they've become resources that I can tap and also interview or bring in on something I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just a great way to start to build a community too.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's, it's a great suggestion. And especially for people that aren't, maybe aren't really good at networking, or Mm -hmm. even just have a little bit of trouble putting themselves out there. I'm the world's worst for not making that (laughs) effort. When you put yourself mm-hmm. into that situation, like you said, of coming in contact with people that can be resources and, and just, just doing it. I mean, it's, it's really a great suggestion to, um, to get yourself out there, get your message down, get comfortable talking to people and get into that mindset of communicating with people and just building that network. So I love that one.
1: Yeah, you meet you meet awesome people too. I mean, you really do. <laughs> so. Yes, absolutely. So,
0: how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on, and
1: what's your website? Okay, well, I'm on all of them because <laughs> because you know you got to be at this point. But um, so yeah, you can find me on you can find me on Facebook, um, and LinkedIn, Tara Meyer Robson without the hyphen. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Tara Meyer Robson without the hyphen. So quite easy to find me. Um, and then. And uh, Pinterest, which is another one I highly recommend for coaches, it took over as I think the number one. Traffic um, uh, refer to my site within weeks when I went on there. So that's wow. kind of a crazy one. So yeah, I didn't get it at first. Then I was like, oh, this is totally cool. So <laughs> Pinterest is a great one. You can find me there. Um, and I actually, if you, if for all your listeners, I'd like to give a gift as well uh, as a thank you for, for listening to the whole thing. And so you can actually go and grab a free ebook copy of my book, okay. uh, The Flow Method, 40 Days to Total Life transformation. And I set it up on the page. So it's just Tara Meyer Robson. So it's T-A-R-A-M-E-Y-E-R-R-O-B-S-O-N.com and then front slash unstoppable uh, in honor of this podcast, obviously. And you can just nice. go there and you can download the ebook and hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do, please let me know. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Well, I will get All of those links and all of the
0: recommendations onto the show notes page. Tara, this has been a really, really cool conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's just, it's been absolutely great to be here and great to meet you.